You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Well, here we are moving towards the end of July and into August. You know, as I think about the summer, I think June is kind of like a Friday. July is kind of like that Saturday where you don't have to really worry about doing anything the next day. And August, uh, August is kind of like that Sunday where we just know that we're a few weeks away from beginning school and maybe some of our program areas in parish life or or ministry or what have you. So uh, let's enjoy these last days of July together. As we continue our podcast, uh, we are continuing to focus on summer planning and how we can make an impact on our summer planning for the coming year. True to that, we have Dave Baranowski on the show today, who's going to talk about supercharging our stewardship efforts for the coming year. And as I mentioned last week, I've also been rereading Larry Bossidy's book, Execution, The Discipline of Getting Things Done. And I thought I would just offer a couple of very quick reflections on this book as we open up the show over the next couple of weeks. So as I mentioned before, execution stems around three core processes of your organization, getting the right people or leaders in place, creating a solid strategy, and having an operation that is adaptable and ready to pivot to meet the needs of your mission. And every organization has a culture, right? Sometimes that culture can be healthy and other times it can be toxic. In fact, it's been said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. You can have the very best people, the very best strategy. But if your board, pastoral council, teaching staff, or your team just isn't open to new ideas, it's going to be impossible for you to get things off the ground. And as I think about execution, it's a lot like stewardship. When we think of stewardship in a church setting, we know that someone who is committed to a life of stewardship incorporates that as a complete lifestyle. It's a part of everything that they do. Execution is similar because it becomes a philosophy of managing your organization. The leader is a steward of the organization's people, the strategy, and the operations. Their job is to cultivate those areas of the organization so that they can be shared with increase to the mission. If we don't steward and work with our people, our strategy, and our operations on a regular basis, then our school, our parish, our diocese, or wherever you work, you won't have what you need to share those gifts with advancing the mission of our church. So next week... We'll talk a little bit about adding a bit of realism to your organization and how we need to hold up a mirror to ourselves once in a while just to get at the truth. Now, let's get to work. On the show today, we have Dave Baranowski. Dave is the Director of Stewardship Education for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So Dave is a 30-year marketing executive who was called into ministry seven years ago when he was recruited by his archdiocese to lead their stewardship efforts. Dave is going to share with us some ways in which we can supercharge our stewardship efforts this year, and he also shares his beautiful story of conversion to the ministry. I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Dave Baranowski. Dave Baranowski, welcome to Advancing Our Church. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate being here. So, Dave, tell us a little bit about your role in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Sure. Um, I am the Director of uh, Stewardship Education for the Archdiocese. I have been in this ministry for almost eight years now. The, The primary role is to work with our parishes 
on trying to uh, develop a stewardship culture within their within their parishes. So uh, we have marketing and educational resources. Uh, so basically, I spend a lot of time uh, in one to one with parishes in trying to help develop stewardship committees. And then under the idea of stewardship, the, the word, the gifts, time, talent, and treasure, we have different tools, techniques, things that can help people kind of best practices. And we help people put custom stewardship effort within their parish with the whole point being that we're hopefully transforming lifestyles uh, for people to, to live a grateful and generous life. That's really the goal. Well, that's wonderful. And, and I love what you're saying about putting together kind of a custom approach for each parish, because as you know, you've seen one parish, you've seen one parish, they all have their own charism, their own unique qualities yes. and needs. So it's wonderful that you, you custom make your approach for each each of your parishes. Yeah. So Jim, I, I, the, the word charism, that's a great start into this. What I've discovered over the last eight years is just as we have our own you know, individual charisms that the Holy Spirit has given us, as our faith grows and evolves, our individual charisms change. Well, just like you said, parishes also have parish charisms, and it's typically the patron saint of the parish. You know, whatever my parish is named at, that saint's charism is probably prevalent in your parish, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, right? Right. So we really try to focus on that. In St. Louis, there's 178 parishes within our archdiocese. So instead of trying to have all 178 parishes be exactly the same, we're trying to help, first of all, people discover their own individual charism. So what are those gifts that God is calling you to use? And then interdependently, collectively, by using our gifts together, how are we then developing that charism that's present in our parish? Because we're not all called to do the same thing, right, the same way. Sure. You know, maybe for someone who is not familiar with stewardship, maybe we should start just for a moment at the beginning. When you come to a new parish and the pastor is interested in starting stewardship, how do you describe, you know, the spirituality of stewardship and, and what a stewardship community is? Sure. So the simple definition that we use here is that stewardship is simply recognizing that everything that we have and that everything we are is a gift from God. And then we're called to be grateful and generous with those gifts. So we're not really owners of anything. We're merely stewards. And as I mentioned earlier, stewardship isn't just a series of activities. It's not just an accounting of our gifts. Rather, it's a lifestyle. It's how I live all the time. It's easy to be a good steward when I'm up at my church, right? When I go to mass, when I'm in one of my ministries, when I'm at an event, it's easy to be a good steward then. But it's that other 98% of the time when I'm out in the world is my life an example of the gospel, right? But do my words and actions proclaim the gospel? And really, that's when it's more important to be this example of a good steward. So I've learned that stewardship, to, to kind of explain the spirituality, to answer the question directly, there's personal stewardship and there's parish stewardship. Ten years ago, Archbishop Carlson, our archbishop, when he arrived here, He recognized that the word stewardship, time, talent, and treasure, that becomes like Catholic corporate speak, right? Mm -hmm. Many people hear this and they immediately tune out. Instead of opening our hearts, many times when people hear these words, it hardens people's hearts, right? Stewardship is, is so closely associated 
with money only. It's only about money. That they want to they want to shake more money out of me. Well, Archbishop Carlson, when he arrived ten years ago, instead of using the word time, we referred to the word prayers because time, the gift of time, is really our time in prayer with God. Talent is really our ministry participation. It's our charitable good works that we do when we're out either in our parish or outside our parish. And then treasure, the original word was payback, but that's got kind of a negative connotation. Hmm. So payback became generosity. So instead of using the words time, talent, and treasure, we use the words prayer, participation, and generosity. And really, instead of using the words stewardship all the time, I use the words grateful and generous. Because we have found people understand when I say grateful and generous, prayer, participation, generosity, people understand what those words mean. And they're they're more receptive, right? They're more uh, open to hearing more about the stewardship. So this leads into the spirituality of it. I'm, I'm finding that there's your own personal stewardship and your parish stewardship. So your personal stewardship, that's that's my own conversion of heart. I've got to really believe this stuff. I gotta I gotta trust in God, right? I gotta put God first before all the other gods that I have in my life. You know, this is a lifestyle. Within these gifts of prayer, participation, and generosity, there's a personal best practice that we can do that, that needs to take place. And under prayer, we really try to help people develop a daily prayer process. Many people in St. Louis, you know, we, we know the written prayers and we can recite written prayers, but many people don't have the ability to ad-lib a conversation, right, with God. Sure. So that's the whole key to the rhyme. The whole key to uh, stewardship is it, the foundation is based on prayer. So we really try to help people, uh, give them tools, techniques, talk to them about how do we have a conversation with God? How do we pray in our own words? And not just talk. But more importantly, listen. That's the hard part. It's easy to do the talking. The hard part is the listening. What does God want me to do with my gifts? So so we really help people in that area of prayer. In participation, a couple of things. We really try to help people individually identify how is God discerning my gifts? What are my gifts? What are my charisms? What are my gifts of the Holy Spirit? Not, not what my talents are, but what my gifts are. Talents can be used for good or bad. We can develop talents and they can be used for good or bad. But a person's charisms are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those can only be used for good to build the church. So we have found when we can help people identify what God is calling them, what ministry is God calling them to do, and put them in that ministry. Because here's what happens. When, when God puts me in the right ministry, God rewards us with peace and joy, but he also zaps us with supernatural joy. I mean, like over-the-top crazy joy, joy that, that cannot be contained, right? Joy that just oozes out of you. So when people meet you and talk to you, they want that, right? They're attracted to that joy, right? So that's that's kind of where stewardship and evangelization kind of overlap is when we can help people pray, how is God calling me to use my gifts? When I can discern what those charisms are, and then and I and I do that, Now the joy comes out of me. Well, then the next part of this is sharing our faith, right? So within our participation in ministries, many people are afraid to give lay witness, right, to their faith because they they think you have to know scripture, you have to have the catechism memorized. But really, for most of us, it's about our relationship with God. If we can just 
tell people the stories about our relationship with God and all the wonderful opportunities that God gives us throughout the, the day to talk with other people. For example, you know, say I'm uh, at my parish, you know, I love working on the fish fry, right? And man, when I'm up at the fish fry, I'm just glowing and I love to talk to people. Well, there's all kinds of great stories that come out of that. We encourage people in your ministry, the joy that God's giving you back from this share those stories, right? So that's kind of prayer participation. And then the money part, the, the generosity. We have found that in St. Louis anyway, uh, if you're Catholic, you have a lot of opportunities to give money. You have your parish offertory. We have second collections. We have capital campaigns. We've got annual bishop's appeal. We've got community things. Many people think, well, you know, Dave, I gave money to the annual Catholic appeal why do I have to give to my parish? Why do I have to give to a campaign? So we really take time to explain that these are different buckets. These go to different places. And, and we developed a worksheet called the My Catholic Giving Guide to show people how to really kind of divvy up the resources. And, and the whole key to our giving then is we need the idea of first fruits. We need to give God our first and our best. So we have found in St. Louis, if we can help people plan their giving on an annual basis, in a calendar year, here are all the opportunities you're going to ask to give. Well, it's planned for that. So very simply, we've got a worksheet that says, how much money does your household make in a year? What percentage do you want to give? Multiply that percentage times your household. It's going to give you a finite number, right? It's going to give you a real number. And then I just literally take that amount and I divide it across all of these uh, different opportunities that, that we have to give. And we find people understand that. I, I will tell you, when it comes to money, many priests in St. Louis do not like talking about the spirituality of giving money. But it's very much, it's, it's as important as going to church, as participating. Giving money is as much of our faith as, as anything else. And the reason is because for many people, God and money run neck and neck. You know, I mean, right. for, for a lot of my adult life, money was my God right? It was, it, that's what I worshiped over God, right? I was in a bad state. And I think many people are at this point. So the idea is how can we talk to people about using their money, managing their money, spending their money in a way that draws them closer to God? So all this stuff personally, as a ministry leader in my parish, I have to have this inside me before I go to my parish committee meeting. Because if, if I don't have these things, if I'm not examples of these things I just talked about, when I go to my parish committee, we're not going to bear good fruit. When I go to a parish meeting uh, to set up, we're going to talk about ingraining stewardship. Mm -hmm. This is this is always the first question. You know, Dave, we, we definitely want mass attendance to increase. We definitely want more participants in our parish ministry, and we definitely want our offertory to increase. And my response to this is this. I'll say, you know, those are great secondary goals. Those are wonderful secondary goals. But if our primary goal isn't to help individual people transform their life into this uh, idea of gratitude and generosity, and then ultimately transforming our parish community into this lifestyle of, of generosity and gratitude, we're not going to bear long-term sustainable fruit. And I've seen this happen. I've worked at parishes where they're doing stewardship for the wrong reason. They're doing it because we want to increase numbers. It's not necessarily out of love, right, for our fellow man or for God. We just want to increase numbers. So when we go into it with that attitude, I'm going to tell you, 
your stewardship efforts are going to, they're not going to bear good fruit. And over time, your committee is going to wither away and die unless we go into it with this idea of relationship. I want to build a relationship with God and I want to rebuild a relationship with my fellow man. If that's not the reason why we're doing it, then then really the whole spirituality of, of the stewardship is not going to take hold in your parish. Well, that makes so much sense because gratitude is a byproduct of our spirituality, right? It, it, we, yes. we, we feel grateful when we have a close relationship with God and we recognize that everything we have has, is a gift from Him. So we, in turn, want to do that for others. But it makes so much sense what you're saying that we have to start with our relationship with God, with our own spirituality and prayer, and then all these other wonderful things can happen. Yeah. So the, the two words, gratitude and generosity, my experience is that they're a wheel. It's the momentum. So, mm-hmm. you know, Jim, you give me something, right? Well, I'm thankful, right? I'm grateful to you. Well, most people's response then is they want to share it. Right. You've given me a gift. I want to share that gift with somebody else. So now I'm going to be generous. And then I give it to somebody else. Now they're grateful. And then they share it. And now they're generous and grateful. So this wheel of gratitude and generosity just keeps building momentum. And it's, and it's really pretty simple, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I've worked with a number of pastors, as have you, and, and uh, I've always found that they are more comfortable talking about stewardship of treasure or resources when it is under the lens or under the spirituality of stewardship. Have you found that as well? Yeah. yeah. So th- th- this is interesting. We had a parish meeting last night, and we were talking about this, this idea of offertory versus fundraising. Hmm. So many parishes in in our diocese have become so dependent on just fundraising activities because our offertory isn't enough, right? Right. So so think about this, these pure fundraising activities, many of them, there's not really a spiritual component to it, right? We have uh, parish auctions, we have raffles, we have all this stuff where people expect something in return. But but offertory, the offertory at Mass, this is that we're offering ourselves, right? Jesus is the, the sacrifice, right? Well, at Mass, we're having a chance to give ourself, offering part of ourselves. So how do we wean ourselves off of fundraising, but that money that we spend on fundraising, people spend on fundraising, how does that money go into offertory? Because that's where our heart is, right? And when I give an offertory, I, I should be doing this because I don't expect anything in return. So again, this goes to the whole reason of what's the rationale of doing it? Am I giving money because I'm expecting something in return? Or am I giving money because I want to support the mission and ministry of my parish? And really out of gratitude for everything that God's given me, I want to help build this kingdom. So that, that's kind of what we're trying to talk about uh, here in St. Louis as well. I love it. I love it. So Dave, you know, we're in the middle of summertime here and a lot of folks are doing summer planning for the coming year. What would be some of your recommendations if a pastor uh, and his stewardship committee wanted to kind of supercharge their stewardship efforts uh, in the yep. fall? Yeah. So so a couple of things relating just to summer, uh, and I'm going to kind of get in my soapbox a little bit here. First, every every parish should have some form of electronic offertory available. This is just a wonderful tool, and especially during the summer when a lot of folks are away from their home parish. So hopefully many parishes have the ability for uh, parishioners to give electronically. The other thing, this is big here in St. Louis. So everybody wonders, boy, mass attendance is down during the summer, right? Everybody's on vacation. Well, 
I'm going to call BS on that. Not everybody is on vacation at the same time. (laughs) Too many parishes, they close down. They don't have ministry meetings, right, during the summer, right? Everybody closes down in the summer because everybody's on vacation. Well, everybody is not on vacation, right? And when we close down our parish ministries, we stop meeting in June, July, and August. What we are telling our parish is that we're closed for the summer. We are telling people that we're not a 12-month church. We're really a nine-month church. This is a big issue. Man, I I get all over parishes when I talk to them about that. We should be meeting year-round. Everybody in St. Louis, where are the young people? Where are the young people? Well, the young people are looking for stuff to do, and there's all kinds of opportunities during the summer. There's all kinds of ministry opportunities that we don't take advantage. We were talking earlier about charisms. Well, just as our charisms grow and change, as our faith grows and change, parish charisms change, right? As the community grows, the people, the housing, you know, all our parishes are changing. Well, most parishes in St. Louis anyway, they still have the same ministries that they had uh, 150 years ago when the parish was founded. Well, many of those ministries have run their course. But on the other side, the upside is many parishes have brand new gifts that we haven't even tapped into, right? So this is part of it. Uh, We need to be looking at those gifts and not quit on the summertime. Ministries need to be meeting year-round. Okay, Mm -hmm. so to to get ready for for upcoming in in the summertime, there's a few things that have absolutely worked in St. Louis. And, And one of these is... We encourage our parishes to have annual parish ministry leader meetings. So think about this. Wherever you work, you have staff meetings, right? Everybody has staff meetings. Think about your parish. Many parishes, how many times do you bring all your ministry leaders together in a group? Probably never. Uh, So my, my corporate life prior to this, we had meetings all the time. So when I went with, when I met with parishes, I guess I was astounded that not all the ministry leaders got together. And I know this happens across the country. So say your parish has 40 different ministries. So for most parishes, this isn't intentional. This, this is just the kind of way it evolves. We've got 40 ministries. So instead of being one body of Christ, right, within our parish, what happens is we're usually 40 little bodies of Christ, like, like little tops spinning off each other, hmm. bouncing off each other, right? Each one with their own agenda, and many times that agenda being different than our parish mission. So we have found when we can have an annual meeting, when we bring all our ministry leaders together, it does a couple things. First of all, people get to meet each other, right? Because many people, oh, I've, I've been in the parish 30 years. I know everybody. Well, you know everybody until you get in the room and you go, wow, I don't know everybody, right? So it's a great opportunity for people to actually meet each other. And then that's when the conversations start, right? And that's when people start recognizing the overlap of what ministries do. And hey, maybe instead of having four separate ministries of five people that do the same thing, maybe combining ministries of one ministry of 20 people, right, that that has a little bit more oomph to it. So we we have these annual parish ministry meetings, and and the initial one, we provide stewardship formation at these meetings. So so think about this. In your parish roster, 100% of your parish roster, and this is true for parishes across the United States, about 30% of your parish roster, plus or minus a few percent, attend Mass regularly on a weekly basis and give to the offertory. 
The next 20% attends Mass sometimes and gives sometimes. But for most parishes, 50% of their registered parishioners never set foot in their church, never go to Mass, never give to the offertory. But the paradox to this is this. The 20% that show up sometimes and the 50% that never show up, that 70% of people, many of those folks, they're active in a parish ministry. They coach one of your one of your sports teams. They work the beer booth up at the up at the parish picnic. They, they work the fish fry, right? So they, they're involved at ministry meetings, but so they, they don't go to mass, they don't hear the knockout homilies that our pastors give on stewardship. So let's help form our ministry leaders on what stewardship is so that in our monthly ministry meetings, we talk about stewardship. We start throwing this idea of gratitude, generosity out there. And with this, part of this training is we, we got to change the gears of these ministry meetings. Ministry meetings need to be more ministry and less meeting. People join ministries to be spiritually fed. People don't, don't join ministry meetings just to go to another business meeting. We all got enough of those, right? Right. But we, we need to we need to pray more. We need to pray together more in ministry meetings. And then at the end of these meetings, we need to be inviting people to be part of Mass. So if, if I'm running a meeting and I recognize five or six of the folks that I don't see at Mass all the time, I should be going up to them individually, not in front of everybody, but I should be inviting them to go to Mass. Hey, join my wife Sharon and I at Mass. You know, we'll grab some breakfast afterwards. We've got to continually invite people back to Mass. Again, my experience is a lot of the folks, and and these are the registered people in our our parish. These aren't the folks that we don't know. We know these people, right? Right. But typically there was something that happened, right? If your parish had a school, oh, I got in a fight with the third grade teacher, so I stopped going to Mass. Uh, Father Joe, 15 years ago, I got in an argument with him, so I stopped going to Mass. Whatever those reasons are. We need to keep reaching out to these folks, and and our and our evangelization target really is a lot of people that are within our parish boundaries. We have found that these holding these parish ministry meetings on an annual basis allows people to get together. We're able to provide stewardship formation that then they're able to use within their individual meetings, and ultimately. It's uh, the personal invitation of, of inviting people back to, to Mass. That is absolutely another thing, uh, Jim, that, that has had a, that has helped kind of the spirituality of this whole idea of stewardship is this. Mo- many of our parishes in St. Louis will celebrate stewards, their stewardship renewal in the fall. Uh, so September, October, November, that, that, that time of the year. In St. Louis, the fourth Sunday in September is designated as Stewardship Awareness Sunday. So of the 178 parishes in St. Louis, uh, 140 of them have some level of stewardship going in. Of that 140, about 70 of them celebrate Stewardship Sunday on the fourth Sunday, which is September 22nd this year. And then the other 70, they pick another time within the, that, that September through November time frame that makes sense for them. And, and this is kind of key with stewardship. Every, every parish has kind of a natural rhythm to it, right? There's a natural rhythm to each parish. Sure. So the, the last thing we want to do is just start throwing more stuff, you know, on parishes that people have to do or go at. So all these stewardship activities and events, they should really kind of complement the things that are already going on in your parish, right? So with that, 
in our diocese, many parishes, when it came to their parish stewardship renewal, when parishes, their pastors are giving homilies on stewardship, they may have lay witness speakers as part of this. They might have ministry fairs to highlight the ministries. Parishes might collect stewardship cards and people re-up kind of on their time, talent, and treasure. Everybody kind of referred to this as Stewardship Commitment Sunday. And I was thinking about this. This was like five or six years ago. Think of the word commitment, right? When I'm talking about God and commitment, especially with gifts, it sounds like I'm having a transaction with God, right? I'm going to make my commitment with God, right? I'm going to fill out a card and I'm going to turn it in. It's like I'm swiping my credit card with Jesus, right? (laughs) Well, think of the word covenant, right? Covenant is as old as our religion, right? God has been making covenants with us since the beginning of time. Every Sunday at Mass, we renew our covenant. So, We have changed the words. So instead of the words commitment, we talk about renewing our covenant because covenant, the word covenant, that invokes sacred and holy, right? Commitment doesn't invoke sacred and holy. Covenant invokes relationship because that's what covenants were. They were really about relationship. Commitment sounds like a contract. When my contract ends, our relationship ends, right? We have found by simply using more words that reflect sacred and holy, that adds to the spirituality of stewardship within our parishes. So we try not to refer to to stewardship programs. So I want to start a stewardship program, a stewardship campaign. We, We try to avoid those words and we try to use the word lifestyle because the words campaign, commitment, process all of those words kind of imply a start and an end date, right? Where I'm only going to be in this for a short amount of time, but that's not the goal. The goal is there's a start date, right? But there's never an end date. This thing is just going to keep evolving and going on. So we have found by just kind of changing the words a little bit, it puts more emphasis on the sacredness, the holiness, our path to holiness that we're called to. We, we uh, also do it in, in the fall. We really try to promote this as another kind of season of the church, kind of an unofficial season of the church. So if, you know, December 1st is roughly the beginning of our liturgical year. So Advent starts, we, we go into Christmas, we've got a little bit of ordinary time, we go into Lent, we go into Easter, then we go into more ordinary time. Well, the September, October, November time frame, now we're at the end of the liturgical year. And this is a great time. Again, this is when crops are harvested, right? You know, we're, we're, we're the, the first fruits. This is a great opportunity to look back in gratitude for all the things that we've been given over this last liturgical year. But then it's also a great time to look forward to see how in gratitude for everything God has just given us, what are we going to do going forward, right, in gratitude for God? And then just like all the other parts of the country, many of the 178 parishes in St. Louis, 106 of them have grade schools. So in that August time frame, many of our grade schools start up again. When school starts up, there's there's another pop of energy and enthusiasm, right, that hits your parish, right? Sure. Uh, August, September. So this is another reason why it's a great time for this September time frame for stewardship, because there's a lot of energy and excitement within the parish. So we try to, we try to capitalize on this as well. So those are just a, a couple of, I mean, real simple things that we try to get people to kind of think about 
as they're moving forward with their uh, stewardship initiatives in their parishes. So, Dave, that that's wonderful. Uh, the, the language that you use and the word covenant, and it's wonderful that you have so many parishes that get together to do Stewardship Sunday. At least a, a good majority of them on the yes. same on the same weekend. Tell us a little bit about the logistics of that. So you said some do time and talent, some do treasure. Uh, is there kind of a formula for what Stewardship yeah. Sunday looks like? Yeah, we say the word Stewardship Sunday, but in reality, it's more than one day. Stewardship Sunday in, in St. Louis, it, it covers about five or six weeks. So so look at it this way. Whatever day you're going to celebrate Stewardship Sunday, that becomes kind of the anchor day. There's several things that happen a couple weeks before Stewardship Sunday, and there's a couple things that happen after Stewardship Sunday. So let, let me run through that real quick. So say this year, Stewardship Sunday in St. Louis, we're going to celebrate on September 22nd. What we suggest to parishes is a couple weeks before that, announce, communicate kind of the upcoming events over the next five or six weeks. So just like you go to the movies and you watch the trailers, the, you know, the coming shows, well, we, we try to set the stage for the next five or six weeks because many people, they don't connect the dots that these weeks are all connected. Not everybody connects the dots, right? We have some type of communication. So however you communicate in your parish, announcements, bulletins, websites, social media, newsletters, emails, phone chains, whatever those are, it, it would go something like this. Hey, Stewardship Sunday is September 22nd, the week prior to that. Everybody will be receiving in the mail the annual stewardship report from our parish. Father's going to send out a pastor letter with some reflections on our own stewardship. And then we'll be including a covenant card for everybody to renew our covenant on covenant card weekend, October 13th. The week of September 14th, Father will talk about some of the highlights from the stewardship report that you'll receive. On the 22nd, we're going to hear wonderful homilies uh, on stewardship as it relates to the gospel readings that week. The following week, uh, the 29th, Joe and Sally from the parish are going to come up at each Mass, and they're going to talk about their own personal stewardship witness for about five minutes at each of the Masses. You're going to hear their own wonderful story. The following week, October the 5th, we're going to have a ministry fair out in the parking lot. All the different parish ministries will be available, and you'll, you'll have an opportunity to learn more about them. And then the, the week of October 12th is Stewardship Covenant Sunday. At all the Masses, we will have an opportunity at Mass to pray, discern, and renew our covenant with God. We will be given time at Mass to complete the covenant cards, and then everybody will be invited to take sign your card and bring it to the foot of the altar and put it in a basket at the foot of the altar. And then we will follow up with the new people uh, that, that have, uh, are participating in new ministries. So I've just kind of laid out kind of the five weeks, right? Yeah. So we have found when parishes go through this, they get, I'm going to use the word more bang for their buck, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it helps people connect the dots of each week of what, of what they're building up to. And we find when parishes do that, they're more successful in inviting people back to Mass. They're more successful in, in inviting people to parish ministry, and they're more successful in inviting people to share their financial gifts with the parish as well. We, we have found that that little summary that I gave you is kind of, in, in a quick nutshell, Stewardship Sunday, which covers, like I said, five or six weeks. Perfect. You know, one of the key words that you used, Dave, is follow-up. I have found 
in my career, you know, I signed up for this, but nobody ever called me. Do you spend a little yep. time with your stewardship committees on follow-up? Yep. This is the key. So I'm going to give you a real life story of my own par- my home parish. Okay. This is like five years ago. I was, I was the head of the stewardship committee and we had our stewardship meeting. And what we told everybody was on Covenant Cards Sunday, our stewardship committee meets the, that following Monday night. We get all the cards, we get all the information, and we break out all the ministry information, the people that are signing up for different ministries, we get all the contact information. And then on that Tuesday morning, the Tuesday after Covenant Card Weekend, the ministry leaders, you're going to get an email from me. Here are the folks that have signed up within one week. We would like you to welcome, explain, and invite, right, to meetings. So we do this. And then what the ministry leaders would do is after they would call, they would send me a note back saying, you know, I contacted everybody. And if people didn't check back with me within a week, a week later, I was calling the people that, you know, haven't called them. I mean, literally all over them. So we have our annual parish ministry leader meeting. So this was in October of whatever year, the following March, we have our annual ministry meeting, and we're talking about the follow-up and all this stuff. And we ha- and we, we have a lot of volunteers. The lady that runs our fish fry, she said, you know, Dave, I just want to comment. We had 23 people volunteer for fish fry. All 23 of those people showed up, every one of them. And we're like, wow, that's fantastic. That's impressive. Right, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, then the lady that was running our parish picnic says to me, she said, well, you know what? I had the opposite experience. We had uh, 17 people that volunteered to work the parish picnic, but only two of them showed up. And I said, okay. I said, um, let me ask you a question. And I'm not going to use the real names, but sure. Mary, uh, Mary, who did the fish fry, I said, Mary, when you received the names, when did you contact them? And she said, Dave, I got the names on Tuesday. By thir- that Thursday, I had contacted 23 people. And the first thing they said to me was, was your point. Wow. I just, I just signed up for this and you're already contacting me. You must really think that this is, this is important, right? You, you value me, right? This is what people said to her. They all signed up. Now the fish fries, this is, this is October. The fish fries didn't happen until February, right? So the lady that ran the parish picnic, our parish picnic is uh, the last week of May. So I said to, I'll call her Sally. I said, Sally, when did you call your folks? Well, she called them May 1st. So they signed up October 15th. She didn't call them until May 1st. Half of them forgot they even signed up. (laughs) Wow. And and I said, so, I mean, I mean, I literally had a a real life experience. It works. I mean, people think, oh, follow up. People will not believe if you follow up within a week when they sign up from something, they will be over the top, filled with joy that you value them being part of this. It it, it absolutely works. Great example. Great example. Dave, um, tell us a little bit about your background. You weren't always in the world of stewardship. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. um, (laughs) In St. Louis here, we have uh, Anheuser-Busch, makers of Budweiser. So I Uh was... I worked for Anheuser-Busch for 30 years. I was in the the corporate world for 30 years. I was in marketing for 30 years. If you're a kid growing up in St. Louis, everybody wants to work for the brewery. So, I mean, I was was fortunate as uh, as heck to uh, work for the brewery. 
the brewery then, uh, people back in 2008, Anheuser-Busch was bought out by a company called InBev. When InBev took over, that's kind of when my faith conversion was, my mom died back in 2004. Several years after my mom's death, I, I, I missed my mom tremendously. And uh, I went back to my parish priest and I was a, I was a so-so Catholic, right? And I, I went on a retreat. And, uh, and I saw the light, right? You know, I had a St. Paul moment. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm questioning. Uh, so I was in marketing and I, I, I was in charge of the department that designed all the beer packaging. So like, is this my, this is my big contribution to, to life. I'm, I'm going to design beer packaging. Well, through that process, I decided to take the early retirement that was being offered. And then uh, I, we have a, a paper, uh, the Catholic newspaper here, the St. Louis Review, has one ads. So I, I'll never forget it. I'm in my kitchen with my wife, Sharon. And again, I'm not greatest Catholic of all time here by any stretch of the imagination. And I said to my wife, Sharon, I said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to send a there was a, this, uh, a job opening. I'm going to send him a resume. Well, Sharon starts laughing at me. She goes, Dave, why on earth? Would the Archdiocese of St. Louis hire somebody like you? And I said, I have no idea. Well, I will tell you, uh, they did. <laughs> so my little my little joke is that they must not do background checks here uh, <laughs> because they hired me. So I had a I had a whole career at Anheuser Busch, and my little joke when I go out to talk with parishes, my little joke is that I was fortunate to work for the King of Beers for thirty years. And I now hope to work for the, the King of Kings for the rest of my life. So um, beautiful. Uh, it was a- wonderful. But, but I will tell you, I, I think God was preparing. I think all the things that I learned in my my life at Anheuser-Busch has prepared me for the ministry that I'm in now. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I like like yourself, too. You know, a lot of people that I that I mean, and I'm not. I'm just making a, a comment about myself, but many people that I work with at the archdiocese, you know, ministry has been their whole life. Right. Well, there's a whole different world out there, right? And I think this combination of kind of real world experience and and faith, many of our parishes, we need more lay people, right, that, that have this corporate administrative you know, this is the call. We, we need more of those people to step forward to help our pastors run the parish, not necessarily be the spiritual leader, right. but to help the administration and running the parish. So I think that's another thing that my my background uh, in, in running large departments and managing, you know, multi, multi billion, uh, I, you know, one time I ran a billion dollar budget. So yeah, um, you know, you get to do things like that, that a lot of churches don't get to do. So sure. yeah, that's, that's my background. Yeah. My background is also uh, my wife, Sharon. We've been married going on our 36th year. We have three adult children. We are uh, happy parishioners at Mary, Mother of the Church here in St. Louis. Beautiful. Well, Dave, anybody hearing you on this podcast can hear the enthusiasm, the excitement, and certainly all the marketing expertise that you bring to this position. It's, it's been well, so, I, gr- so great to chat with you today. Let me just ask you one more question before we, sure. before we sign off. But um, you have, uh, I think, talked about your own personal conversion experience. Can you, can you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I grew up Catholic, went to Catholic grade school, high school. Our kids all went to Catholic schools. I always believed in God, always. But I will tell you, my life at the brewery, Anheuser-Busch, money, the power, all of those things became a God before God. Uh, I'm being very, very frank with this. My mom died in 2004. I was blessed with a wonderful mother and father. I was blessed with wonderful two sets of grandparents that were huge influences in my life, aunts and uncles. Well, my mom dies. I'm three years later, I'm 47 years old. And and Jim, 
I miss my mom tremendously. I, I can't even explain uh, how bad I miss my mom. So sure. talk to my wife, family, friends, right? I'm getting no relief. So I decided to talk to our pastor, Father Gary, about this. And now, again, I'm not the best Catholic. We're, we still take the kids to church, but, you know, when it's when it's on our schedule, right? right. So when I meet with Father Gary, uh, Father Gary really doesn't know me. He knows me more as envelope 153, right? This is, <laughs> this is our relationship. Well, Father Gary, we end up being great friends because Father invited me to go on a retreat with the men from our parish. It's called the White House Jesuit Retreat Center here in St. Louis. So I, I go with the men of our parish. And the thing I didn't know about it, Jim, was that this is a silent retreat. And, and as you're uh, finding out, I'm not a silent guy, right? <laughs> so I, I get to this thing and I am like now freaking out because I have no idea that I'm going to spend the next three days in silence, right? So I am literally trying to, I'm, I'm trying to get out of it. I'm, I'm taught like I'm, I'm signed up for the wrong one. You know, I'm supposed to be at the talking one, not the silent one. You know, well, they're laughing at me. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, God, God is uh, in his wisdom. I get there the first night and our spiritual director, Father Jim Kabicki, who later, he was the uh, the executive director of the Apostolate of Prayer, right? I, I, I find this out later. Anyway, Father Kabicki said this, and this was the life-changing thing. He said, don't pray the way you normally do. Instead, take this time in silence and listen to what God has to say to you. And Jim, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm sitting there thinking, going, okay, I'm um, 47 years old. I have never once in my life, never once in my life asked God what he wants me to do. My prayers were always negotiations. You know, God, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. This is how self-centered I was, right? My, my pr- I never asked God what he wanted. So the Holy Spirit puts this thought in my head, I'm going to pray for every person that I had ever met in my life. So over the next three days, I mean, literally for my little, my earliest childhood memories. I'm jotting down names and names. Well, after three days, I've I've got this, like anybody, you do this, you've got a huge list of people. Well, every night before I would go to bed, I would uh, pray the Stations of the Cross. I really have this devotion now to the Stations of the Cross. Well, the last night, Saturday night, the White House retreat is a beautiful setting. The early spring stars are out. Well, I come to the 12th station where Jesus is crucified and the, the crucifix is up on a hill and above it are, are the billions of stars, right? It's a beautiful, clear night. And I'm looking at the crucifix. And, and Jim, I, I literally, it's something, I talk about this all the time and I can feel it. As I'm talking to you right now, I can feel it. This wave of gratitude rolls over me. And, and as I'm looking up, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the crucifix and I see all these stars. Well, it's all these people, right? All these people that I've been praying for are all these little stars. Hmm. And, and, I, and I, I, I fall to my knees, and I'm not a holy roller, crybaby kind of guy. And I am sobbing uncontrollably with just joy for all these people that God put in my life. I mean, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, right? I thought I'm the great and powerful Dave Baranowski, right? I got this great job. I do all this stuff, right? But I'm not, it was God that did all this stuff, right? So it was in an instant, I mean, a flash, I, I said, Jesus, I said, what, what do you want me to do? It was at that, I mean, that exact moment that I decided that, that I want to get to heaven and I want to take, and I want to take as many people with me uh, as I can. And that started why I'm talking to you today. Wow. That feeling, I can still feel it. I mean, I, 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 that was the day I met Jesus. That was the day I started a relationship with God. And, and 
uh, I knew about God, right? I, I, I knew about him, but I never had a relationship. And, and starting that relationship was life-altering for me in so many ways. And it's, it's, it's helped me not only my relationship with God, but it's helped me with my relationship with my wife, with my adult children, my friends. It has been absolutely transformative for me. And I thank God that Father Gary asked me to go to the White House retreat. <laughs> Wow, Dave, that's that's a, probably one of the best stories I've heard so on this podcast so far. I I, oh. I mean, what a, what a great way to end! And because you let him in, you know, God has allowed you to transform. I'm sure so many lives in the Archdiocese of St. Louis and and all the other places that you've touched uh, through your public speaking, through ICSC and other conferences that you've done. It's been a real blessing to have you on the show today, Dave. Jim, really- thank you, and I and I, uh, I look forward to our continuing, uh, you know, collaboration and uh, working together in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have you back. You've just been a, a real inspiration for us, and I'm sure that the folks who are listening today will get uh, so much out of your uh, out of your experience and your words of wisdom. But thank you so much, especially for sharing that personal story. That was very touching. Uh, you're, wel- you're, you're welcome. I, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Thanks so much. God bless. God bless. I want to thank Dave Baranowski for being on our show this week. Dave will be at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference this fall, and I'll be sure to put his contact information on our website. What an incredible talent and a great interview. Dave, thanks again for being on our show. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Potisteri Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like more information about our podcast, please visit our website at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Take care and God bless.